Hello, and welcome to the Casa Bonita podcast, a podcast about the Denver real estate market with a side of pop culture and local history. Every week, we'll go over topics such as average days on market for a Cap Hill condo, how Thanos' infinity gauntlet would affect the real estate market, tips and tricks for making your Casa Mas Bonita, and fun facts about our namesake, the restaurant in Lakewood, Colorado, made famous by South Park, Casa Bonita. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, broker owner of Bluebird Real Estate Group with locations in Lakewood, Colorado and Boulder County, Colorado, Claire Spar. This is our first PG-13 episode for mentions of alcohol, murder, ghosts, drugs, and even a little deviant sex. You've been warned. This is the first full and official Halloween episode of the Casa Bonita podcast. In case you didn't know, I released a teaser Halloween mini-sode a few days before this one. If you're looking for a 15-minute Casa Bonita fix, then head on over to that other one. In Apple Podcasts, it's in the Unknown Seasons section, and it's titled Bodies in Cheeseman Park. Anyway, for this episode, I am psyched to have friend and local librarian, the spookiest librarian I know, Wendy Paulus, on the pod. Wendy and I do a little catching up. I share my self-destructive and totally unsustainable methods for calming my beginner's interview nerves. We reminisce about how we met and our strong sewer scope bond. We talk about how COVID has affected the library experience and which library patrons have been hit the hardest by quarantine. Wendy shares information about the innovative Ten Ring Circus of new online programming available on the DPL website, free to listeners of the Casa Bonita podcast. Well, and everyone else. It's our inclusive offer. Then we talk books, movies, music, and podcasts. In these difficult times, Wendy explains, it's important to seek abject horror about things that are totally not real. So Wendy shares her recent reads, mostly spooky, and listens, mostly funny, that are getting her through quarantine and all of the other insane current events going on in our world in 2020. We then move on to the main event when Wendy shares spooky Denver stories. Wendy tells of bodies in Cheeseman Park, which was also featured in our Halloween minisode, the tale of the Denver Spider-Man, no relation to the Marvel Universe, and rumors of a supernatural presence in the basement of a certain public building. After spooky story time, Wendy discusses how her dyslexia affects her relationship with books and reading, and her problem-solving strategies for when it gets to be too much. I swooned when I found out that Wendy is a dyslexic librarian. Considering that about 20% of the general public is dyslexic, I thought this story of a dyslexic librarian who grew up to be an avid reader could be an inspiring story for a lot of folks out there. If you're interested in this topic, you should definitely check out the podcast Dyslexia Quest. When we get to the Casa Bonita part, the show is not appropriate for young listeners. Wendy and I circled back to our microphones a few weeks after our first recording to talk movies inspired and rumored to be inspired by Cheeseman Park, Poltergeist, and The Changeling. This episode is casual, conversational, and pretty funny too, if I do say so myself. I think you're going to like it. Stick around. So, you know what I did to get ready for today? What? Well, okay. Right before, uh, so I, I'm going to go backwards in time. Okay. I had two shots of brandy, like 
five minutes ago. Mm. Before that, I did a really hard workout on the stationary bike to like get myself all pumped up. (laughs) (laughs) And then before that, today, while I was doing other work on the computer, I was listening to music that I know you like. (laughs) So I was listening to David Bowie (laughs) and Ezra Furman. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. So it was a very fun, like windy music day. <laughs> I, I was and, oh sorry. No, that's basically it. <laughs> no, I had a kind of similar day. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I sprained my ankle yesterday at Belmar Park. Oh no! Um, because I thought it would be fun to run as fast as I could and jump on the playground. Yes. And, the thing I jumped on, it spins, which I didn't know. It's like a spinning oh, no. metal pole. So it just shot me off in the other direction. Oh, no. And I sprained my ankle. So I put a muscle relaxer and was listening to Eminem. So. Right. <laughs> I feel like we're, like, on the same, like, wavelength right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking about having a drink, but I, I had green tea instead because, you know, muscle relaxer and ankle. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's probably a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Some of my other interviews, I've consumed an entire bottle of wine, like through the course <laughs> of the interview. And I don't think you can really tell when you listen to it. It's just like, I don't, I'm not a professional interviewer. So I get yeah. kind of nervous. Yeah, you know? totally. <laughs> I'm going to adjust my mic just a little bit more because I've noticed it's like picking up my voice really loud. <laughs> Or you're just screaming because you're drunk. <laughs> That's possible. <laughs> I have two more shots here ready. I was like, it's okay if I like measure it out beforehand. Like if I have the bottle on my desk, yeah. that's bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like if anyone has a bottle of of something on their desk, it's probably bad. Or you're you like, what, or you're an author. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. Exactly. I um. Yeah, I had uh, some old cheap wine that I bought like three years ago for delivering to real estate clients and like never delivered. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> found it in the garage. So it's been like aging in a hot garage. Oh, you know? delicious. Just, yeah, just the way I like it. <laughs> hot wine. <laughs> so... I'm going to, I have our little interview outline that we worked on together. Thank you for Mm -hmm. your um, contributions here. Um, So I I like to connect each episode to like either a previous or a coming soon episode. Mm -hmm. And tomorrow I'm releasing an episode about Walking Denver with local author Chris Englert. She's written Discovering Denver Parks and Walking Denver Neighborhoods and Best Urban Hikes Denver. So that's coming. That'll be by the time this spooky podcast is out, that one will already be be out. And if you're listening to this and you didn't listen to that, you're dead to me. Just kidding. (laughs) Just go back and listen. (laughs) So Chris is really cool. She's got a lot going on and uh, it's a cool interview. There's a lot. There's a lot there. Thomas. Ooh, my creaking door. Yeah. Maybe it's just like part of the scene setting. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that was a really good door effect, you know? It sounded yeah. like a professional sound effect. 
<laughs> sell it online. I feel like that's an excellent idea. <laughs> so, um, do you remember how we met? I do. Um, you were living in Virginia, right? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. That's yeah, right. yeah. And I was with my ex. Uh-huh. We were moving to Denver, and um, we have a pig. Yeah, Virginia. Yeah, Virginia. Um, So we couldn't find a place to rent because no one wants to give you, you know, put you on a lease if you have a 110 pound pig. So we're like, shoot, we have to buy a house. So we uh, booked a, yeah, like a three day trip. And I I emailed all these real estate companies and um, got connected to Claire. So Claire had like three days to find us a house and yeah. the market was like super crazy then, right? There were like yeah. like five or 20 offers on every property. Yeah, yeah. it was insane. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you found us a house on like the first day, I remember. What? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So then we just had like two days to chill. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. I was actually just remembering weirdly this morning I was reminiscing this is how my brain works about the sewer scope for that house (laughs) (laughs) was there something weird with it I don't quite remember but I remember like there was one thing that needed to be repaired Mm -hmm. and this and I called the seller's agent and I was like hey just want to give you a heads up like we're gonna be objecting to this I'll send you the sewer scope information that we have yeah and she was like oh well blah 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 you know yeah yeah and then I sent her the stuff and she was like oh you guys use Dwayne who was the sewer scope guy (laughs) and she was like that's who we use like we don't we believe you like (laughs) we're not gonna fight you on this so (laughs) um yeah that that I must have thought of it because we had our call today yeah I was like so congratulations, Wendy. I think of sewer scopes when I think of you. Well, I feel like that would make transactions go easier if you could just, you know, if each agent beforehand could be like, we both like this person, Yeah. you know, because then it wouldn't be like, well, you got this person. I don't believe, you know. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. As soon as she saw who the sewer scope guy was, she was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, well, I think I've bought like three houses with you mm-hmm. and like what sold two or mm-hmm. yeah. so there's been many sewer scopes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> we have a long sewer scope history. <laughs> a long history of sewer scopes. And for anyone listening who doesn't know what a sewer scope is, it's like a colonoscopy <laughs> for your house. <laughs> And if you don't know what a colonoscopy is, consider yourself lucky. <laughs> our, our house colon bond is very strong. Yes. There are no cracks or clay pipes. <laughs> it really is, you know. <laughs> so for our listeners, I would like to introduce you to my good friend, Wendy Paulus. She is a local librarian. She was exercised as a child. Um, that's exorcised like the exorcist backstory. Her mom is a crazy hippie Reiki healer. Can you vouch for that? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) 
So in my post-production, I went back and reread the notes that Wendy and I put together for this show, and I have to put this in. It is so funny. She says, true fact number one, I was exercised as a child, like legitimately exorcised. Backstory, my mom is a crazy hippie Reiki healer, and she was convinced that I had a spirit attachment that was making me act up and be mean to my parents. You know, not because I was a normal bratty 10-year-old. She had a bunch of old hippies chant around me with crystals. There's a tape recording of it somewhere at my parents' house. Wendy, um, in addition to being a huge advocate for public libraries and an artist, Wendy uh, wears a vial of human blood around her neck. And I was so happy to book Wendy to record this special Halloween episode with me today. Do you want to elaborate on the um, the human blood vial? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wear a vial of human blood around my neck. Totally casual. Um, it's, it's not as weird as it sounds. Although, actually, you know, I've had people come up to me and they're like, oh, what stone is that? And I'm like, it's a vial of blood. And they're like, oh. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, it's my boyfriend's. We each wear one. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, I, I met this guy and we hung out for like five days and we're like, uh-huh. we like each other. So like, clearly we should bloodlet ourselves and give each other vials of our blood. Cause that's what you do after, you know, hanging out for five days. And if I remember correctly, you also got matching tattoos during that time. On our first date. Yeah. We got matching tattoos. Oh my gosh. Also, I think it was meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. He also dug up my cat. When I well, that's amazing. was moving <laughs> and didn't want to leave my cat behind. I did hear that you have a corpse in your garage. It's my cat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. My cat. Thank good. you for clarifying. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, as far as I know, my garage is messy. So really, who knows? But the corpse I'm aware of belongs to my cat, Grandma. It could have been a, like another cat buried like in the same vicinity, as far as you know. <laughs> yeah, right. I left my cat and just got a different cat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so tell us about your projects, like what you got going on. Just like when people are like, what's happening, Wendy? What do you tell them? Um, well, I'm, I'm telling them. <laughs> Uh, go to the library's website and yeah. check out a virtual program. Um, yes. Yeah. So, well, uh, you know, right now we're in the process of kind of figuring out what going back and reopening the library looks like, mm-hmm. but, you know, due to COVID prior to COVID, um, I did a lot of programs and a lot of like technology access, uh, programs mm-hmm. at my library branch, which is Bear Valley in Southwest Denver. Since COVID hit, the organization has been doing an awesome job, you know, turning our programs into virtual programs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, I'd say go to the library's website and check out some of our virtual programs. We have a lot of cool things going on, things for all ages, things every day of the week. That's amazing. Yeah, one cool program that's coming up that I'm excited for, I'm not running it, but um, they're having a sex therapist come in. And really? Yeah, yeah. She's going to be doing, I think, a three-part series. Or she or he. I think okay. it's a woman. I don't know. Is going to be doing a three-part series about, like, upgrading your intimacy during quarantine. Um, oh. Yeah, like how to ask what you want for in bed, 
how to face like a lack of sex drive, um, yeah. which I think is a pretty cool, innovative uh, program for libraries. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I've been putting together some programs where we have MSU professors come in and um, uh, talk about different specialties. You know, they have PhDs and are really experts on uh, different subjects and they come mm-hmm. and do interactive programs where you can ask questions and, you know, they give you real life tools that you can put these things into practice. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So, are, so it sounds like these programs are live, right? Yes, they're live. We do have okay. a YouTube or the library. I just want to say I, I'm not the spokesperson for the library. So when Noted. I say we, I'm just talking as, you know, a library employee. Yes. Sure. Who uh, advocates for the Denver Public Library and all libraries. But um, the library does have a YouTube channel too. So okay. you can, um, you know, on demand to have story times for kids and, wow. you know, access to videos there. That's cool. I have a question about that, actually, as a podcaster yeah. and as a mom, you know, I've, I've nerded out on all my gear, uh-huh. <laughs> my programs and stuff. And I was thinking for my son's effort, it'd be cool to record some like some audiobooks with mom reading. You know, yeah. for him. And I was wondering, so with story time, is there any like copyright issue that you're aware of or like, uh, is that not your area? I don't know. That is not my area. I don't want to okay. say anything legal. <laughs> I'm in trouble. Fair enough. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but the library does have story time. What, mm-hmm. what have you seen? What are people really responding to? Like what programming is really speaking to people right now? Um, I think one of our biggest programs was a, a gardening series. So they had a master gardener come every week and just talk about a different gardening aspect. I think because during a quarantine, you know, everyone was stuck at home and everyone was, you know, planting gardens and making sourdough and (laughs) yeah. Buying above ground pools. Yeah. Buying above ground pools. I just went (laughs) hot tub shopping yesterday. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Because, you know, I bought that above ground pool and now it's gone. So there's this big empty space. So I'm like, well... I have to put something else here. <laughs> we got an above ground pool for the summer yeah. because, you know, oh, for I a while. You said you did. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, uh, you did, and I did also for my kids. Oh, and, oh. Yeah, and it was yeah. really hard to find. We ended up, yeah. we bought it from this guy on Craigslist who told me that he, like, bought a whole bunch of them. <laughs> <laughs> was selling them for a profit on Craigslist, which, you know what, whatever, I'm not here to judge, but there was a little part of me that was like, come on, man, (laughs) like, you know, (laughs) but it was good, and my dad, so I don't know if you know this, Wendy, I I think you know this, you've been over to my house, Mm -hmm. my parents live with us, Mm -hmm. yeah, so we have a whole mess of Good and bad with that, you know. And my dad's an engineer, and he rigged up this like water heater. Oh wow! For the thing, he like ordered some. He ordered this water heater from. It's like an on-demand water heater mm-hmm. from eBay, and then he mounted it to this furniture dolly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he could like roll it up and like hook it up to the filter and so it would like circulate warm water. That's awesome. <laughs> it was like propane powered and it was uh, you know, 
my dad likes to nerd out on projects. So yeah, they get cold. cold. <laughs> they get super cold. So cold. <laughs> yeah, like the first few weeks, we were like, uh, "This was a waste of five hundred bucks." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got like a solar cover. Oh yeah. So my yeah, that helped. But I got one of those too. Yeah, yeah. My boyfriend has a sous vide machine. Uh-huh. Um, you know, like, did he use it to heat up? <laughs> we talked about it. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so just in case you're not familiar with what sous vide cooking is, a sous vide machine uses a heated metal coil to warm water to a constant temperature, never fluctuating to high or low extremes. This means that the cooking progress is gradual and controlled. Proteins like steak, pork, chicken, and fish cook for elongated periods of time, slowly heating up until the entire piece of protein reaches the temperature of water. Since the water never goes past the desired temperature of doneness, the meat takes significantly longer to cook. For example, a 12-ounce New York strip takes a little over two hours, but it also means that you'll never have an overcooked piece of protein. I just read that verbatim from bonappetit.com. My that's another one of my dad's projects. And so he has this like sous vide machine and he like uses it in an ice chest. Uh-huh. Why? And and like to be completely honest with you, Wendy, <laughs> kind of grosses me out. <laughs> it's like meat that's been sitting in lukewarm water for hours. I know me too. I'm a vegetarian, so I don't understand it at all. <laughs> And my boyfriend loves using it and he, uh, you know, he's like, well, let's find some things we can make for you in it. And if you Google vegetarian sous vide recipes, it's just like, here is a bag of beans. Like here is a wet onion. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh shoot. Okay. It's, I'm going to blame the brandy. I know I asked you, and this is stupid because it's recorded, but <laughs> I know I know I asked you what what programming people are really loving right now, mm-hmm. and I don't remember what you said. I'm sorry. Oh, I said the gardening program right. was a big hit. Yes. Yeah, we have a like a virtual trivia every Wednesday. Um, there's teen Dungeons and Dragons, adult Dungeons and Dragons. Um, we have. Uh, concerts every Friday, like a happy hour, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a little bit, you know, there's something for everyone. There's a lot of people who work at the library with a lot of different skills. So mm-hmm. I feel like we have, you know, a, a like representative a population of presenters to choose yeah. from because a lot of focus right now is being turned to uh, how to safely reopen. Mm, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, you know, everything's just so, you know, it's just new territory for, you know, every business and totally. how to navigate yeah. with COVID. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I would love to know, what are you reading and watching and listening to these days? Yes. So um, I've been reading a lot of spooky books, which I always read a lot of spooky spooky books. <laughs> But yeah, I think like during COVID and quarantine, I just kind of went crazy on all things horror themed because I didn't want to feel anything except like immense fear of like fake fake things, you know, like I wanted nothing that could be remotely real. (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, but so uh, let's see. What did I? Oh, for my book club, um, we just read Mexican Gothic. Okay. So have you heard of that? I haven't. It's a pretty popular book right now. Um, It's like a gothic horror novel set in 1950s Mexico. um, Basically about a socialite who receives uh, weird letters from her cousin. Mm -hmm. Um, So she travels to like a creepy mansion to go check on her cousin who married some dude very, you know, quickly and was whisked away. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was a, a, a nice little gothic horror book. That sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've also been reading a lot of uh, manga. I've been reading um, Junji Ito. He's like, Mm -hmm. so manga, if if people don't know, it's like a Japanese style of uh, comic books or graphic novels. Um, Mm -hmm. But he's a really cool illustrator. And the stuff he writes is just so bizarre. Um, Awesome. Yeah, there's, there's one called Uzumaki. Mm-hmm. And it's about a town that becomes obsessed with spirals, like the wow. spiral, just a shape. And everyone wow. goes like bonkers and loses their shit over spirals. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's very wild, you know, like, yeah. like, this is crazy. This can't get any crazier. And then you're like, what the hell? <laughs> it's actually less crazy than current events. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I wish, like, our biggest problem in America was just being obsessed with spirals. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to sit with that for a moment. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. really, so I'm creepy, and we have technology, and I opened up your Goodreads yeah. uh, profile. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at your red books. So I don't want to jump the gun, mm-hmm. because you were sharing with me all the stuff you've been reading. I'm very intrigued by Everything's Trash, But It's Okay by Phoebe Robinson. Yes, that was great. So I actually listened to the audiobook, mm-hmm. um, which she read. You know, she has, I think, a couple podcasts. Um, uh-huh. So it was a great audiobook book production. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let me, I can pull up my Goodreads, too. It was a little bit, I think it was written maybe like a couple years ago or like three years mm-hmm. ago. So I... Um, I feel like things have become more trash since then. Yeah, it's prophetic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it, she's really funny. And, you know, uh, yeah. yeah, it was, you know, encouraging. She also talked about how she's like a trash person, you know. Okay. Um, which I have, some, I have, you know, everyone does have some trash person tendencies, you know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, meaning like I am garbage or meaning like, I literally collect garbage. Both, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everyone's garbage sometimes, and, you know, everyone collects or lives in garbage or has a gross habit. It's true. Yeah. I really like her podcast, Two Dope Queens. Yes, yeah. Um, I forgot her co-host's name. Do you uh, remember? Right, Jessica? Is it Jessica? Is it? I just can't remember. I'll edit it in, okay. and then I'll sound smarter than I really am. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Jessica Williams. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I actually, I don't know if I told you this. I used to have an estate sale business. Yeah. I remember that. That's how I, um, that's how I got into real estate. Mm-hmm. And I only did it for a year. Cause like after a year I was like, oh, maybe I should sell the house too. <laughs> and then I started doing that and I was like, oh, this is easier. <laughs> <laughs> but in the, in the year that I did it, I emptied out like 10 
lifetimes worth of stuff. Mm -hmm. It was like 10 houses. And everyone does collect trash. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Like literally everyone is a hoarder. There's no point in judging like where you are on the hoarding spectrum because we're all garbage. (laughs) I agree. Um, Awesome. So I don't know if you know this. I don't think I told you this. I was introduced to Ezra Furman by you Mm -hmm. because you quoted some song, some Ezra Furman song on Facebook in like a post a few years ago. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And I looked it up and found out it was a song. And then I played it on Spotify and like, I really like it. And so I know that was a while ago. What are you currently listening to? Um, man, I don't even know. Basically just like my saved songs on Spotify. Totally. Um, I've been listening to, I got in a car accident and totaled my car. Oh, I didn't know that happened. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, my boyfriend and I share a car now, Uh which, um, I live close to work. So I've, I've been walking to work. So I've actually been listening to a lot of audiobooks um, on my walk to work. So I've yeah. been listening to the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. Nice. Yeah. 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 What about you? Um. Well, I've been listening to Brittany Howard a lot, mm-hmm. and she's in a band called the Alabama Shakes, yeah. I believe. Yeah, I've heard of them. And I love her. Like, I mean, that's not officially solo work, but. I don't know what you call it, but like it's under her name, yeah. not like the band name. She's like Thomas actually is the one who introduced me to her music. And he like turned on one of her albums. And at first I thought it was Nina Simone. And then I thought it was like somebody else. And then I thought it was like a male singer. And so her range wow. is just really amazing. Yeah. And um, so I've been really enjoying that. And honestly, I, <laughs> I got the idea recently with my little interview project to listen to music that my guest really likes. Uh-huh. And so, uh, you know, I was like rocking out on some soundtracks, like the Shawshank Redemption contract. <laughs> uh, did I say contract? Yeah. Soundtrack. <laughs> what, what is, I love that movie. <laughs> oh my God. It's amazing. I have to check that out. So I'm going to spiral in in a slight like uh you know side story but we have a little free library Mm -hmm. outside of our house Mm -hmm. and somebody left a book called must see movies an essential guide in the little free library Mm -hmm. and I only look in there like once a month and I looked in there found the book it looked like it had never been opened Mm -hmm. so I was like yoink and so I brought it inside and I told Thomas, we're going to watch all these movies. <laughs> so Shawshank Redemption was one of the recent ones that we watched. We're, we're up to like 21, wow. I think. And it's been really fun. We didn't have a TV when I was growing up. Yeah. So like I didn't have like the same pop culture context that a lot of people had. Yeah. So this is my like pop culture education. That's awesome. And so it's been really fun. That sounds really fun. Yeah, it's awesome. I uh, just read the Shawshank Redemption this year, the short story. Who, who wrote it? Stephen King. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. I feel like I should have known that. 
I, I didn't like, I feel like I knew it, but always forget because it seems, you know, like not very Stephen Kingy. Like, yeah. I, I always view it as like a heartwarming tale, you know? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it is. I mean, there's definitely like horrible, horrible scenes. Yeah. It, it ends, you know, on a very happy. Yeah. Day. Yeah. We watched last night, we watched Blazing Saddles. I've never seen that. Oh my God, Wendy, you got to watch it. Okay, I will um, disclose and I might edit this out because I don't know how I want to present myself publicly, but I was stoned when we watched it. (laughs) (laughs) And so that improved the movie, I think. And I had seen it a long time ago when I was young and it just seemed like this slapstick comedy. Like there's this famous scene where all these like cowboys are sitting around a fire eating beans and they're just like farting. (laughs) (laughs) And that's like all I remembered about the movie. Uh, And then when I came into it, you know, like with the Black Lives Matter movement Mm -hmm. and like everything going on in the world right now, there's a lot of social commentary in this movie that is like current today, you know? And I'm going to look up what yeah. year it was It was made. 1974. Okay. So anyway, I am really enjoying this, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> and I didn't do, full disclosure, I did zero spooky story research. Oh, I got you. Yes. <laughs> Come on now. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, for our audience, I contacted Wendy, this amazing librarian and artist and spooky person overall. <laughs> <laughs> she's not the only librarian I know, but she's definitely the spookiest <laughs> librarian I know. <laughs> and I was like, I want to do a Halloween episode, and I think you'd be perfect. <laughs> And so you were kind enough to say yes. And here we are talking and I can't wait to hear the spooky local stories that you found. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for thinking of me. Um, Absolutely. And when spooky things come to mind, I hope you will, <laughs> I will always be your, uh, your spooky friend that can You're offer. Spooky go-to, you know? <laughs> yeah. Your go-to spookster. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I do have another yeah. spooky friend. Her name is Bonnie. Shout out to Bonnie. I think I should introduce you too. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just a side comment. <laughs> Spooky stories? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me see. I took some notes so I could remember. The I've already finished my my additional two shots of brandy. So let me let me chug my green tea. <laughs> Getting wild. You gotta catch up, man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> my sprained ankle. well while you get your notes ready I'll tell you and um I forgot what I was gonna say sorry it's the I'm I'm blaming the booze (laughs) it's 2 (laughs) p.m on a Tuesday (laughs) and I'm like drinking brandy (laughs) we've got we have like 13 listeners on the podcast so far it's been up for about a week that's awesome I listened yay (laughs) thank you I'm excited. That's so exciting. (laughs) Thomas's um, redlining episode has like 25 listens or something like that. What um, what inspired you to do? uh, I know this is off topic, but what um, inspired you to start the podcast? Um, I've wanted to do a podcast for a long time, and I Mm -hmm. have dabbled in different like 
audio projects. I really like sound. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a musician, but I like conversations, you know? And like, I, I love to me, like the most comforting thing is falling asleep, listening to Ira Glass. (laughs) And so I've been dabbling in little projects for like a while. And then a friend of mine who owns a business design resource group, her name's Meredith Gershberg. She's amazing. Um, sent me this little like marketing quiz, like what's your marketing language? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I took the little quiz and the, the possible outcomes were like, you're visual, you know, you should focus on social media or you're a writer. You should do this. Focus on blog posts, you know? Mm-hmm. And I got audio and I was like, well, that's true. And I'm just going to run with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it kind of like was the tipping point. And then I found this little, um, have you ever read, do you know who Jessica Abel is? No. She's a cartoonist and she did this, 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 um, what do you call it? A, a comic book with Ira Glass, like 10, 15 years ago called Out on the Wire. And it's all about how to, how to tell stories on the radio. Mm-hmm. And then she expanded it into a podcast and the podcast is amazing. And that, and it's really awesome. However, it's very, like, focused on doing it right, you know? And and I read it, like, a year ago, and I was, like, I I was intimidated. Like, it was too much, you know? Mm -hmm. So I found this little, like, $20, maybe $40, like, workbook download. I think I got it through targeted advertising Mm -hmm. on Facebook because the internet is creepy. And... And I was like, I'm just going to buy it. And it just had like a step-by-step, like first design a logo. Now come up with your concept. Now do this, you know, and it simplified it Mm -hmm. for me. And then I just like did the, here I am. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) That was a really long answer. Thank you for asking. (laughs) No, it's really cool. I love your logo. So thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, it's been really fun and. I'm kind of evolving as I go and I'm hoping that at the end of this, I'll be, you know, an improved human in some way. Yeah. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) The proof shall be in the pudding. Yes. Okay. So how are, how's your spooky story notes? coming along? Oh yeah. Okay. I I, I have them. Okay. All right. These spooky stories I knew, I, I'm trying to think of a book. I read a book right when I moved here about like haunted history of Denver that I really enjoyed. I should have, I should have found out what it's called, but well, I didn't. So um, <laughs> we'll find out and we can ed- add it in. So okay. if you come across it later, I'll edit it in okay. later. Okay. Hey, Wendy, did you find out the name of that book? If so, let me know. Don't you like to hear my dogs barking? Yay. They're cute. Um, but yeah, so my first spooky story <laughs> is this one everyone knows um or at least I think it was probably the first um when I first moved to Denver the first spooky place someone told me about but uh Cheeseman Park mm-hmm. do you know about Cheeseman Park and it um I've heard that it used to be a cemetery it did it, it was <laughs> 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 yeah, I it off my green tea 
yeah, in the eighteen uh, in the eighteen hundreds, it was a cemetery, uh-huh. um, and it was uh, a lot of people that didn't have much money. Uh, it was you know kind of a go to place um, uh-huh. to bury people who didn't have you know a lot of money. They couldn't afford a nicer uh, burial plot. Also, mm-hmm. like vagrants and criminals were buried there. Oh. Um, but yeah, so uh, it, the graveyard got pretty neglected since, you know, people couldn't really come and maintain, you know, they didn't have money to maintain their loved one's graves. Uh-huh. So um, in the 1880s, Denver, you know, was a growing city and people were pissed because they're like, there's just this ugly, huge graveyard right in the middle <laughs> of Denver. <laughs> so like, make it go away. Um <laughs> And there was, Isn't that how the public is? Yeah. They're like, just make shit go away. I know. Like, I don't care what happens. Just like hide it. Yeah. Not like, oh, you know, all these families lost these loved ones. Like, yeah. <laughs> take it somewhere. Um, but yeah, so it was actually a senator, a Colorado senator, and I forget his name, but he went and, uh, you know, it became his mission to get rid of this ugly cemetery. Okay. So he ended up persuading um, the U.S. Congress to turn the graveyard into a park. Wow. Yeah. It was literally an act of Congress. Yes, it was an act of Congress <laughs> to remove this eyesore of you know, wow. loved ones, Denver's loved ones. Um, so families they, uh, that had people buried there, they were given 90 days to remove the bodies. Um, yeah 90 days isn't that wild and like how how the freak do you remove a body like you yeah. know like do you just go dig it up and then like where do you put it you know and I'll be honest with you Wendy I would leave it <laughs> no, most people did <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah I I can't say I would leave it since I do have a corpse in my garage that was dug up that's true but you're creepy <laughs> yeah I'm creepy maybe I'll take some extra ones you know like oh well someone's leaving you so come, come come to my house you're like hey you gonna eat that <laughs> <laughs> oh that's amazing yeah yeah but yeah so most people did did leave the bodies um let me see let me see if I have it oh yeah so um, in the end, there were like 5,000 unclaimed bodies. Wow. Um, and I think that, I think the city ended up giving people like three years, you know, they said 90 days, but just no one came and took the bodies. And so they're like, yeah. come on, like 90 days, like you haven't until this what? date. This was like at a time when there was no email, yeah, right? No. Like, how are they notifying people? <laughs> from the town square. <laughs> <laughs> It's like you gotta be vigilant. You gotta like pay attention, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> dig up grandma. Pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So you know, all these bodies just were there. Um, so the city they gave a contract to an undertaker who uh-huh. uh, was named E. P. McGovern, uh-huh. and they. Uh, hired him to move the bodies and transfer them to a different cemetery and agreed to pay him $1.90 per casket that he moved, you know, big money. Do you happen to know what year that was? Uh, in the 1880s. Okay. So in my post-production, I'm going to look up the, um, 
equivalent. Is that like how much money that is now? Yeah. yeah. In today's dollars. Yes. <laughs> that would suck <laughs> if it was the same. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I did find an inflation calculator online, and it only is through the Bureau of Labor Statistics. It only goes as far back as 1913, so that's too bad. But according to this inflation calculator, if we took a dollar ninety in January of 1913, it has the same buying power as fifty dollars and thirty nine cents in August of 2020. So I don't know about you, but I would not be willing to dig up bodies for fifty dollars and thirty nine cents. My price would definitely be higher. I don't know what the current actual going rate is, but this must have been a bulk. Uh, business plan (laughs) an economy of scale if you will (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so uh mr mcgovern he was creepy but also (laughs) a businessman so you know he figured out that if he spread the bones across multiple caskets he could make more money smarty smart smart really smart right um, he also, he started using child size caskets, oh. um, which he claimed uh, there was a, a coffin shortage in Utah or something, uh-huh. so he couldn't get adult size caskets. So he started using child size caskets. Because they're cheaper. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, so then he was breaking up each body, you know. Uh, oh, into multiple caskets. Yeah, so he was using like three caskets per body and getting paid, you know, a dollar and ninety cents times three instead of oh, you know. Oh my god! Yeah, this is amazing. Yeah, I mean, smart, but like creepy because like he's just opening caskets and like breaking apart <laughs> skeletons. <laughs> yeah, I remember reading like an account. A eyewitness account who of someone you know walking by the cemetery and they said you know they were just bones like body parts everywhere and that oh like people were just walking up to open caskets and like taking shit out of them like jewelry <laughs> like it was just a disaster it was like an estate sale yeah yeah, <laughs> if, yeah if they were selling dead bodies for free <laughs> open 190 a casket wow Okay, so do you know? Do you happen to know where they got buried? Uh, Riverside Cemetery. Okay. Yes, but but but, so they didn't all get buried. Um, mm. I because you know he started relocating them, but then people got pissed at that too, and they're yeah. like, "There's just like body parts everywhere," and they started mm. complaining about him. Uh huh. So the city fired him, and put a big wall up around the park uh-huh and I guess the wall stayed there for a while but then eventually they're like all right let's just like flatten it and put grass on top of it so wow. there's still a bunch of bodies you know they didn't move the bodies they just filled in holes and leveled out the park and then like planted trees <laughs> so they fired the contractor they hired yeah. and then they were just like screw it yeah yeah they were like fork it fork it yeah yeah so season park is like built on a bunch of bodies i wonder if people go out there with like metal detectors and stuff yeah but they're not robot bodies (laughs) that's true that's true that's a good point but yeah they're like jewelry and things (laughs) look i found this robot arm (laughs) 
I wonder if there's a bone metal, like a bone detector. Isn't that a, isn't that a book? Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know. If not, we should invent one. I'm on board. Although it, we should probably name it something. Yeah. Other than bone detector? <laughs> I think we should name it boner detector. <laughs> I called right, my eyes. I couldn't stop myself. <laughs> That's amazing. All I knew, all I knew before you shared all this wealth of information was that Cheeseman was formerly a cemetery. Yes. And it still is, I guess, you know. Well, true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. So, yeah, the spirits um, are said to haunt the park. And, you know, I would if someone took half my body away in a child's casket for $1.90. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So it's fair, you know. But- <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing yeah <laughs> but yeah smart smart guy but creepy I guess not that smart because he should have been cleaner about it if he was smart he wouldn't have been caught no no he should listen to your um your organi- organizational podcast <laughs> exactly <Yeah. laughs> should have called Stephanie yeah. <laughs> uh. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. How did you find out about this? Like you said it was one of the first things you learned when you moved here. Yeah. So my friend told me that there were a bunch of bodies underneath Cheeseman Park. And I'm like, shut up. That's stupid. And then I pulled up Wikipedia and I'm like, oh, shit. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Well, um, do would you should we move on to our next topic, or do you have another spooky story to throw out? Yeah, I have. I mean, how many spooky stories do you want? Oh my god! Basically, as long as you're willing to do this recording with me. Okay, so so two days. Buckle up, kids. Buckle up. Um, So, no, I have a cool one, actually, that I just heard about um, maybe like a couple months ago. Have you heard about the Spider-Man house? No. In the Highlands? No. Yeah. So there's a house called the Spider-Man house Mm -hmm. in what is today called the Highlands. And actually, um, if you go to the... uh, the Denver Public Library website, you know, we have like old, uh, there's, you know, a picture archive. Mm -hmm. Type in the Spider-Man house, you can see a picture of it. Awesome. But, so, uh, let me find the exact date. Okay. So, in um, October 1941, Mm -hmm. an elderly man named Philip Peters was found beaten to death in his home. Uh Um, There was no forced entry. So, you know, it wasn't a robbery or anything. He was home alone. Um, You know, he was an old man. The police couldn't find, uh, you know, a motive or suspects. He was just a nice old man, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, He didn't have any enemies. But he was uh, brutally murdered. He was hit 37 times with, like, a blunt object. And there was blood just everywhere like dripping from the ceiling you know that's how hard he was hit wow yeah it was like a really really like gruesome wild murder but you know 
no one could figure out why it happened. So the police just, you know, I think eventually just gave up because they couldn't figure out what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a wife who, when he was uh, murdered, she was in the hospital for a broken hip. So she wasn't home. Um, uh-huh. But when she recovered, she moved back into the house and she had a housekeeper. Uh-huh. Um, and the housekeeper, I guess, would uh, complain that, you know, the house was haunted, that she heard weird noises coming from the attic and, you know, thumps and sometimes things mm-hmm. would be moved around. Mm-hmm. So she was convinced that the house was haunted. Yeah. Um, and one day she called the police and said that she uh, saw a thin white hand and a leg disappear into the attic. Mm-hmm. So um, the police came over uh-huh. and they didn't find anything. And in fact, they said that the attic ceiling was sealed shut. So there was no way, you know, there could be mm-hmm. thin white hands going in and out of the attic. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, with uh, the history that had happened in this house, they, or I don't know, maybe they were like uh, affluent people, but mm-hmm. uh, for somehow, you know, some reason or some way they convinced the police to uh, keep watch two detectives to keep watch outside of the house until like they figured out something, wow. you know, that's a lot of resources. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> or maybe just, you know, I, it was back in the day. Like have... <laughs> every time I call the police, they send two detectives over. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, sit, watch outside your house. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, I guess the detectives, you know, they just sat outside the house and kept watch. Mm-hmm. And um, they did patrols. So one day they were doing a patrol, and the detectives heard noise coming from a closet. So they ran into the bedroom or wherever the closet was, and they mm-hmm. saw a pair of skinny white legs dangling <sighs> out of the closet. So one of the de- detectives jumped up and pulled down the legs until a body followed. And oh my God. It was a man who fell to the ground. Uh-huh. Um, and I have a quote from the police. Uh, they described him, let's see, as the strangest looking, or this is what the police officer said. He said uh-huh. he was the strangest looking human I had ever seen. He was a tall man, just under six feet, but thin as a wilted weed. His dirty hair hung low over his ears, and his skin was the ugly, unwashed gray of an overcast sky. It turns out that this guy had been living in the Peters attic oh for over a year. Yeah. And um, when they when the officers went into the attic, the stench made them vomit. Like oh he was just God. living up there and um, sneaking down. Poop everywhere. <laughs> yeah, isn't that terrifying? So this is where the name uh, the Denver Spider Man came from. One of the officers said of the attic. A man would have to be a spider to stand it long up there. The newspapers heard this and ran with it. Theodore Coney's was dubbed the Denver Spider-Man, and a legend was born. (laughs) (laughs) But he snuck down to make coffee, and that's when Mr. Peters saw him and threatened to call the police, so he beat him to death. Like, insanely. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And so, you know, his wife moved back in after the murder and he was just still living up there. Oh my God. Yeah. How long, how long was she living there? A year. 
about a year. Wow. Isn't that terrifying? That's like my biggest fear. <laughs> Go check your cross face and you're at it. <laughs> and there's dude. Yeah. With gross hair. Well, and he was, you know, so they, they were seeing like, you know, the house uh, keepers saw like skinny white arms and that's just because he lived in an attic and never saw the sun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I have so many questions. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> Me too. I Why? I want to go. I know. So like he was homeless. Uh huh. Um, he was like a vagrant. Um, and I guess one day just like came went in the attic and thought it was cool and just. He's like, this is, this is gonna work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he got arrested. It, I mean, it's actually, it, it was sad what he said when he got arrested. Um, he said, finally, I'll have, like, the nicest home I'll, I've Aww. ever had when he went to jail. But sad. he also beat an old man to death. Yeah, so, so Crimea River. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> oh, yeah. I wonder if he, like, so he came down to make coffee, and that's how he got seen in the first place. Uh-huh. He must have been just like coming down and like, yeah, you know, living like a mouse in the house. Yeah, yeah. So when they went, so he had thought that um, Mr. Peters had gone out to eat, but I guess oh. he went outside and then came back for something. Uh-huh. But um, no, I mean, he was very in tune with their comings and goings, you know? Wow. wow. Yeah. Would you notice if someone was living in your house eating your food or would you think it was... I wouldn't notice because, well, in my house, I have people living in my house eating my food. Yeah. My parents. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what happens if your parents were living in your basement and you didn't know? Me and Thomas, I'm cutting this part out, note to self. <laughs> Me and Thomas refer to my parents as the raccoons. <laughs> so, like, every time we see, like, a t-shirt that's, like... Everything is trash. Be a raccoon. You know, <laughs> we're like, look, people understand. <laughs> and they like, you know, like we have like different generations have different like food cultures. Yeah. And so I won't get into it right now, but I have thought about doing like a multi generation household podcast, but I don't know if I can without like ruining my life <laughs> that's, <fair. laughs> that's an amazing story and I was not expecting it to be like a real person I, I thought it was gonna you know um there's this pod I forgot the name of it this podcast that a friend of mine told me about it's called lore and my friend Kelly had told me about it so thank you Kelly and it's like spooky stories from the past And one of the episodes, he talks about how, like, a lot of times, especially in older houses, like, um, you're, you will um, hallucinate if there is CO2 poisoning in the house. I meant to say carbon monoxide poisoning. Carbon dioxide is perfectly healthy and not poisonous to humans. And so, like, if the ventilation um, isn't great, then, like, that is part of that's you know that podcast was saying that's what's behind some of these like ghost stories Ah, of the past not ghosts (laughs) yeah exactly um yeah actually if you i'm just doing this now if you google uh 
Spider-Man House Denver. The first result you get is from the Denver Public Library, and it has some photos. Um, so you can see the house, and you can see a picture of the guy and an illustration of him living in the attic. Okay, I'm looking it up right now. Ah, there it is. Denver yeah. Public Library. Theodore, Theodore Edward Coney's. Oh, man, that's no life. Yeah. I like how one of the tags um, is stuff hidden in walls. <laughs> so if you're ever searching the website. Crime, stuff true crime, walls. stuff hidden in walls. <laughs> Let me click on that. Oh, it's the only thing. Oh, Come on, God. Denver Public Library, you need more stuff hidden in walls. Yeah, it's true. Well, now I have to click on that. <laughs> I'm like, how many things are there? Oh, there's only yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe that will be my next project. I can see if I can get put on, you know. <laughs> I think researching. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, stuff in Denver hidden in walls. Wow, this is crazy. Isn't that a wild story? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking at the house on Moncrief Place. I know. I wonder, I wonder if people live there or, you know, if they turned it into like a, if they scraped it or it's in the Highlands. Yeah. <laughs> I'm reading the comments. Amazing. There are no doubt hundreds of other creepy and interesting stories of Denver past. Give me more. <laughs> <laughs> Man, comments are always the best, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Everyone's saying, tell us more. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that it um, inspired a book. Oh, what's the name of the book? Oh, he mentions this case in his book, Stanley, uh, Earl Stanley Gardner, Beware the Curves, CSI Crime Scene Investigation. Ooh. Oh, My Favorite Murder. That's a podcast, right? Yeah, it's a good oh. one. Yeah, he shares the story. Okay, awesome. Cool. I will, for our listeners... I'll link it in the show notes. <laughs> Don't I sound official? Yes. <laughs> I'll link it in the show notes. That's a creepy story, man. Mm -hmm. Especially since they were like, oh no, it's not possible because the attic is sealed. Yeah, I know. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay, what else do you got for us, Wendy? Okay, um, the Denver Public Library, the downtown building. Mm -hmm. so I don't want to divulge too much information. Oh, no. I don't want to get in trouble. But yes. um, word on the street is that uh, the basement is haunted. Uh huh. And so I went around and I asked my coworkers, you know, like, hey, what do you know about this? You know, uh -huh. like downtown, the basement being haunted. And no one has any really concrete stories that I could find. I did try to call... Um, security to see if they would uh lend me any spooky stories um you know patrolling at night but that didn't get anywhere but one thing that I do know is um or that I that I was told by several people and please don't fire me <laughs> Denver Public Library um, uh is I guess uh one night there was a security guard who was patrolling the basement and mm -hmm. he saw something and was frightened so bad that he quit on site. And now wow. the security guards always patrol in groups of two down there. Wow. Yeah, I need to I need to do some more research on this. That's a good lead though. That's a good lead, yeah. 
Um, I, I, I did a lot of searching and I can't find much. So might just have to go down there, sneak down there and spend the night in the basement. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think that's an amazing idea. Yeah, with a Ouija board. I have been in the basement of that library. Um, there was like some event, this like French artist that came out. Mm-hmm. I actually got a reminder about it on my Facebook feed the other day. Oh. Hervé Toulet or something. He does children's books. Okay. And he did a talk in the basement and then a little thing out on the patio. Yeah. I would like to know, I was creeping on your LinkedIn profile Mm -hmm. because that's how I roll. Mm -hmm. And I saw, it looked like you were kind of starting to go in a direction of like a legal career. No, not at all. Uh, (laughs) My boyfriend uh, just passed the bar exam. Okay. So I've been helping with LinkedIn job searches. (laughs) Got it. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Um. I also noticed, um, I want to hear about how you became a librarian, but before that, I'm curious, I saw that you were an advocate judge for the Time Dollar Youth Court. Yeah. So. And I'm sorry to randomly spring this on you. Oh, no, no. I'm just like, no, so curious so, about it. No, me becoming a librarian actually has to do with a legal career. Um, okay. I went to law school. I was in law school. Okay. And, um, that's when I volunteered for the um, youth court uh, uh-huh. as, you know, like an internship. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I, w- I was in law school and I hated it. Um, mm-hmm. Like it sucks mm-hmm. and the people are boring. <laughs> and I was miserable. And uh, I had worked in uh, my university library and I'm like, this was way better. So, yeah. um I dropped out of law school and then I went and got my master's in library science instead and became a librarian. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting path. Yeah, yeah. So the library job, was it like, was it just like a job for you at, like at first? And then you were like, this is the thing for me. Um, yeah. I mean, it was kind of just, you know, a part-time job, but I had always enjoyed working. I'd worked in the law library. So yeah. It still wasn't like, complete library fun, like, you know, working in a public library, or, you know, it was mm-hmm. kind of a stiff career, not career, because yeah. it wasn't a career, but, you know, a stiff profession of like shelving law books. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, I've always been a big, a big reader. Um, mm-hmm. And then <clears throat> to get into library school, I, I had to take the LSAT to get into law school mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. library program accepted my LSAT scores and didn't make me take the GRE. So I'm like, yep. That's awesome. <laughs> did you do library school here in Denver? I did it in Washington, D.C. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I went to Catholic University there. Okay. Yeah, but Denver, University of Denver has a great <clears throat> a program. A lot of my okay. coworkers went there. Uh-huh. I love Denver. I love the Denver Public Library. It's one of the reasons we moved here because I felt like it's so robust, you know, and I just felt like that says a lot about a place, you know, when they invest in their public library, it's, it's like a whole level of like wealth that every single person that lives here gets to enjoy. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. I know I sound corny, but no, no, no. And I mean, yeah, our library here is like really innovative. Like I think we were, if not the first, but you know, one of the first libraries to hire full-time social workers. Hmm. So I didn't even know that. Yeah, we have social workers. So wow. yeah, they can help people connect people, you know, because we do have a, a, a homeless population. And they do, you know, utilize the library since it's one of the only places they can hang out, you know, without having to purchase something. But yeah, so we have social workers who can, uh, you know, help people, connect people to resources. That's amazing. Yeah. Do they wait until people ask or? No, no, Uh. they go, I mean, and they'll go off site too. Um, You know, they'll come visit the branches and, you know, say they see someone even like I've seen one of our social workers, like run across the street and like not chase someone down because that could be very triggering but you know like um you know just connect with people who who look like they might be experiencing homelessness or they're in need of you know possibly be in need of a service and then you know they bring in um we have like the laundry truck come to the library uh you know like laundry yeah they uh they started a peer navigator program the library brought on people who uh, have experienced homelessness or, you know, like addiction or, you know, um, something in their life mm-hmm. and that they now can go and participate in outreach to people who might be in a, a similar situation to something they've experienced. Yeah. So, you know, people can talk to people who've been through a, a yeah. similar experience, which I think is yeah. really cool. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was last December when like urban camping in Denver was decriminalized. Uh-huh. And so there, you see more tents, you yes. know, yeah. in Denver yeah. and, and then COVID hit. So it's like yeah. just kind of a shit storm of a lot of things going on. Yeah. And not to say that the tents are a shit storm, but I think that the more fortunate public is seeing these tents. It's kind of freaking them out, totally. you know? Absolutely. And I feel like there's going to be some things that happen as a result of this. There's going to be backlash, mm-hmm. you know, and there's going to be, I, I don't know, you know, in a perfect world, there would be solutions yeah. <laughs> that help that help support people so that they get what they need, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and it won't just be like, Oh, the tents, the tents are a crime. And so we're going to give people tickets for that. Yeah. And so people stop using tents so it's less visible. The people are still there. It's just that, like, the property-owning public doesn't see them anymore, yeah. you know. I'm nervous about what's coming, Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, yeah me too. Especially, you know, um, with COVID, now it's, yeah. it's harder. You know, places aren't open. It's, it's a lot harder for people to even yeah. find clean drinking water. Um, yeah. Yeah. This summer, my library branch, um, I work at Bear Valley, like all the way down in Southwest Denver. Mm-hmm. We had a free lunch program where we gave out breakfast and lunch, um, you know, to just anyone who stopped by, wow. no questions asked. And that was, yeah. you know, a big uh, thing that we were hearing is just access to clean drinking water, you know, because mm. like people who don't have, you know, a place to get water from, you know, used to come wow. and use like the library water fountain. Yeah. So it's, wow. it's things like that that people, you know, don't think about. I a, a couple of years ago, you shared with me, I, I was telling you about my son Zephyr, who's currently nine, and we went through this whole thing and found out he's dyslexic. And currently he's like dyslexic and proud, 
It's awesome. And you shared with me that you're also dyslexic and that's kind of how, how you became a big reader because it was like this safe space for you. I just think that's such an amazing perspective and story and I just love it so much. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm dyslexic. My mom's dyslexic and her father's dyslexic. They both, you know, my mom and my grandfather were big readers. My grandfather also wrote. But yeah, I, I feel like I've I've always been a big reader. I feel like I kind of use books to combat my dyslexia. Um, mm. I'm definitely not a fast reader. And, you know, I mean, still to this day, I'll read a sentence and not understand it. But I think what's cool about reading books while you're dyslexic is I can go back and, you know, um, reread the sentence and, you know, be like, oh, okay, this is, you know, it, there's a there's a paper trail, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um it's true. Yeah, yeah. Um and I think, you know, thanks to my my mom, I, I definitely started reading at an early age and uh-huh. I always found, you know, books comforting in the fact that I can, you know, take my time and figure it out, you know, like a challenging puzzle. But yeah, I'm I'm an avid reader. And love it. Yeah, because I, I, you know, know people that are dyslexic that, you know, books, they find books very discouraging, mm-hmm. but it's, I feel like a fun game to overcome. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I just love hearing that, uh, you know, especially like my son is in fourth grade mm-hmm. and these are the years when like really getting a grasp of literacy is the focus, yeah. you know? Yeah. I just love meeting a dyslexic librarian who loves to read. You know, um, and does does he like to read? He he doesn't love it. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he's got certain comic books that he really. That's likes. what I was gonna say. You know, I read yeah. a, I read a ton of graphic novels. Sometimes, just you know, after I've read a couple novels, I'll I'll have to read like three graphic novels because they're a lot easier to take in. I, I find them a lot easier to read. Have you heard of or listened to the podcast Dyslexia Quest? No. It's this woman who I think she's like in her 30s and she's dyslexic and she she just like has a whole podcast about dyslexia and I haven't listened to it for a while. I list, I like binged on it when we first got our um, dyslexia diagnosis. Uh-huh. She really focuses a lot on like the strengths of dyslexia and, um, you know, like that kind of angle and it's amazing <laughs> well, I'll have to check it out that sounds really awesome yeah it's really awesome um so I had on my list here I wanted to talk to you about how COVID has affected your organization and the people it serves and it sounds like you like you know it's come up a few times in our conversation I was I just wanted to give you the opportunity to add anything else that you think people should know um I mean, this is my point of view, you know, I'm not speaking for the public library, but I'm I'm just in general, I think um, COVID has made, you know, uh, like wealth and access gaps a lot bigger. Um, You know, while they are doing a lot of virtual programming at the libraries, people that don't have a computer or don't have the, you know, necessary technology skills are, are being left behind. You know, everything's moved to a way more digital realm, just super, super fast because of COVID. And I, I feel like a lot of people are getting um, left behind. Yeah. If our listeners want to help or get involved, do you 
have any insight on that? So I was trying to look at some things. Um, If you just Google like COVID volunteer opportunities, there's actually a lot of cool things. I, I know a big thing is, you know, people have been doing like letter writing campaigns just to like people in nursing homes or, you know, um, elderly people who are now stuck at home. You know, a lot of people, they're past the age of learning how to use a computer. Um, yeah. So I, I thought that was cool. Let's move to the Casa Bonita part. Yeah. I, I understand that you've been. I have been, but I heard on your podcast it's not opening again. Okay. So I am not totally okay. sure. Um, different people are saying different okay. things and their website's down, oh, but they haven't made a public statement about it. So I hope they reopen. Honestly, I mean, Me they're such an institution. I know. They create a lot of jobs, yeah, you true. know, there's a lot going on. I mean, where are cliff divers diving? Exactly. Like, like cliff divers are out of work. <laughs> Save the cliff divers. <laughs> Onto a cliff diver. Lend your bathtub. (laughs) So um, you told me when we were prepping for this that you had your 31st birthday party there and that we might have a story to share that's not appropriate for all audiences. Nothing makes me happier, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I had my 31st birthday at Casa Bonita. It was my first time going there. Um, so I also was vegan at the time. Um, Uh so, uh, there's nothing vegan at Casa Bonita. Um, okay. Okay. For vegans out there, if Casa Bonita reopens, which it will, because we'll sponsor all the cliff divers and then, and we're we're putting it out there like the secret. (laughs) Um, their sopapillas are vegan. Okay. You know those little like fried donut bread things? Yeah. Those are vegan. So, um, yeah. So for my birthday, I we maybe had like 20 people go. Um, oh, that's a pretty good size group. Yeah. They gave us like a whole little like upstairs casita, you know, type with like the balcony. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. It was nice. Um, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I could pretty much only have margaritas and sopapillas. So. <laughs> Okay, just so you know, for everyone I've interviewed, those are the two best things. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and remember they had, like, the flag? You could, like, just put up a flag and they'd bring you more sopapillas. <laughs> yeah, I got pretty drunk because I just had no. You couldn't eat anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was really fun. Yeah, but uh, two of my friends, I think they probably had some margaritas as well. But they ended up having sex in uh, what is Black Bart? Is it Black Bart? Black? That's his name, right? I'm gonna look it up. Black I think Bart's that's right. His like his secret cave behind the waterfall. Black Bart's cave. Yeah. Yeah. Liquid. Yep. That is hilarious. Mm-hmm. And the main reason is, you know, I've talked to a handful of people about Casa Bonita, and there are a few things everybody says. Uh-huh. The sopapillas are good. Yeah. Somehow Black Bart's Cave always comes up. And a few people have said how it's one of the last places where kids could just roam around. (laughs) (laughs) So I love that. That's amazing. I assume your friends uh, didn't, nobody stumbled in on them while they were 
doing their thing. I mean, maybe if they did, you know, they didn't say anything. No one got in trouble. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was planning to have some Yelp reviews to go over together, and I just dropped the ball, to be totally honest with you. Oh, that's okay. We can review Casa Bonita. <laughs> I... I do remember, so I've been once. Is this the only time you went? Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember the, like, um, the cafeteria-style wine. Mm -hmm. I remember the margaritas. I remember the flag. I remember the sopapillas. I remember the cliff divers. At the time when I was there, the, like, arcade area was very sad. It was, like... I remember like it was like flickering lights and like most of the games didn't work. And I'm pretty sure I didn't go into Black Bart's cave because I was kind of like, ew. (laughs) (laughs) And um and I remember the chlorine smell. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very unappetizing. (laughs) But it was really fun. And honest like I do genuinely hope that they reopen, you know. So fun fact, I'm actually, I just pulled up uh, Casa Bonita's Wikipedia page Uh and it says the Mexico Pavilion at Epcot located in Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida was heavily influenced by Casa Bonita. Citation needed. Amazing. (laughs) So like Walt Disney, you know, people who create like the world in Walt Disney World, you know, are like inspiring like design <laughs> designers they a Colorado restaurant yeah. that was opened by a white guy yeah. they just went there and were like yep <laughs> I wanted to do an episode just like exploring and addressing the cultural appropriation element. yeah absolutely but like I just haven't and you know what I even googled Casa Bonita cultural appropriation just to kind of see what comes up and it, I didn't get really anything hmm which kind of surprised me, but um, obviously it's not like a fair and truthful representation of like Latinx, like yeah, <laughs> culture in the United States. But it's like a thing unto itself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I am at the place where I have to go pee. Okay, actually, I do too. <laughs> I think I covered all my stuff and I I might even have enough stuff to break this into two episodes, which would be amazing. Thank you so much, Wendy. Yeah. And if you need, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty free. If you need like any follow-up or anything, let me know what you need. Okay. Okay. It's great talking to you. Great talking to you too. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time for this. I really, and all the research you did. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) I'll talk to you soon. Just when you think you're out, I drag you back in. So Wendy and I were talking after our um, original interview, which was about a month before the scheduled release date for this podcast. And so we uh, caught up. I had some editorial questions that I wanted to run by her. And in the course of our conversation, we realized that Poltergeist... And another movie, The Changeling, are both uh, said to have been based on Cheeseman Park and its cemetery history. So I wanted to 
schedule another call together. And it just so happens that Wendy had some extra spooky stories to share. So uh, I hope you enjoy it. This is round two. This is our super, our longest episode ever. I hope you like it. Oh, and my mom makes a special guest appearance. This is my mom. Just a second. (laughs) Wendy, there's a little squirrel. He's all curled up in the driveway, in the icy driveway, breathing, but he can't move. Oh, no. What what are you going to do? Can you bring him inside? He'll die if he stays out there, but I guess I just hate to leave him there. No, you should bring him inside. I'll try to find a box. Yeah, you can call animal control. They can probably do something or tell you or pick him up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Thanks a lot. Yeah, good luck. Thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. She said call animal control. Oh, that's a good idea. All right. Thanks, Mom. Can you close the door, please? Well, that's definitely staying in the recording. (laughs) Poor squirrel. (laughs) That was so sweet. That was so wholesome. (laughs) So wonderful. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, well, now you have a pet squirrel. Yay. What are you going to name him? Um, should we name him Rocky? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's settled. Did you, by chance, watch The Changeling this weekend? No, I didn't. <laughs> I got a hot tub, and oh, nice. that's where all my time went. Oh. I did watch Borat, though. <laughs> Oh, yeah. We we also watched that. Yeah. How, how was The Changeling? <laughs> it was pretty good. It was kind of like, um, I have kind of a s- bad attention span and it moves kind of s- slowly. Yeah. And so there was that. It, it's from 1980. It, uh-huh. I think movies just move faster now than yeah. they did yeah. 40 years ago. <laughs> uh, um, but it was... It was good actually. So the the um one of the co-writers rented this house over in Cheeseman Park. I have notes on it. Hold on. Okay. It was released in 1980. It's 107 minutes long. It has an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's good. <laughs> it yeah, for a horror film? Yeah, for especially. a horror film. Yeah. Yeah. They always have really low scores. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's supposed to be like one of the best horror films of all time. Yeah. So my lukewarm rating of like it moves slow is me being <laughs> I'm just not sophisticated. <laughs> but it won a bunch of genie awards. Uh-huh. It's a Canadian film. And so anyway, one of the co-writers, Russell Hunter, um, rented the Henry Treat Rogers Mansion in cheese in the Cheeseman Park neighborhood in the uh-huh. late 1960s. His claim is that he, in the attic he found a century-old journal of a nine-year-old disabled boy kept in isolation in the attic. Oh my god! And then he like based his, you know, the story on that. So like the summary of the story is this esteemed. New York City composer moves to Seattle like temporarily as a visiting professor 
after his wife and daughter are killed in this really tragic accident. Mm-hmm. And he rents this huge Victorian mansion. It hasn't been inhabited by anyone for 12 years. And it's, of course, haunted. Like all Victorian mansions. <laughs> exactly. And um, and I'll just leave it at that. I won't give away any of the secrets. But the name is called the Chessman House in the movie. Not Cheeseman? Yeah, I don't know why they didn't just call it Cheeseman. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And it's one of the most influential Canadian films of all time. And those are all my fun facts. So, and then I also over the weekend watched Poltergeist. Mm -hmm. And the reason I watched, I was actually planning to watch The Exorcist because I told Thomas I need to do research for this episode and Wendy was exercised as a child and I haven't seen The Exorcist, so I need to see it. Uh-huh. Like, it's very important. I owe this to my public, you know? It was just like that. <laughs> well, I didn't watch it because Thomas was like, that movie makes me feel yucky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So instead, we watched Poltergeist together, which was, like, very wholesome. And (laughs) that one came out in 1982. And Steven Spielberg was the writer. And I'm assuming you've seen it. Yes. I've been uh, to um, The Exorcist Stairs. Oh, really? Yeah, it's in D.C., in Georgetown. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I did start watching The Exorcist by myself without Thomas, but I couldn't finish it because I have a hard time staying awake in general, (laughs) especially by myself. Uh So, oh, here's the Casa Bonita connection. The Craig T. Nelson character in Poltergeist Mm -hmm. is a diver. (laughs) So dot dot dot. <laughs> oh, dude. Um, did you know that USA Diving is planning to move to Colorado Springs? No. So I don't know if they're actually gonna do it or not. They announced it like a year ago. Uh-huh. But they do a bunch of like international diving competitions. And so there might be f- cool like diving events coming up. Yeah. And all the unemployed <laughs> cliff divers, they'll exactly. have a new lease on life. They'll have somewhere to go. You and know? when Casa Bonita opens up, the talent, you know, is going to step up. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like Olympic-style diving. Exactly. <laughs> Between the gorilla, like, shooting guns. There actually was an Olympic-caliber diver who, like, applied for a job there. And he's 70, I think he's, like, 76 years old. Oh And they denied him an audition because of his age. And they, like, put it in writing in a text message. And he is totally suing them for discrimination. Ages. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, oh, I need to connect um, Poltergeist. Basically, Poltergeist, uh, some people think it was based on Cheeseman Park. Um, Especially, like, there have been times, there was, like, this... I think in 2010, there was this irrigation work that was done mm-hmm. and it, it like brought some skeletons to the <laughs> surface. Yeah. <laughs> Be- 
because apparently when it rains, the density of the bones can cause them to rise to the surface. (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you for letting me just like vomit all of those fun facts at you like I'm in The Exorcist. Yes. (laughs) Wait, did you see that part? No, but it's Sorry. just so famous. Spoiler. Okay. <laughs> I um I'm totally going to finish it. I have like another day left on my rental. So. Oh, yeah. So, uh you mentioned that you have some more spooky stories. I do. Yeah. I would love to hear them. Okay. Um let me see. I have two. Okay. Spooky story number 1. It was 1907 in <gasps> Leadville. Do, 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 yes. do, 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 do. do you is your house where's your property? Don't you have a property in Leadville? Our property is in Gilpin County. Kinda it's a black hawk address. Yes. So but my parents actually used to have a place up by um is it called Twin Lakes? Yeah, Twin Lakes. Which is right by Leadville. Yeah, yeah. You don't have a property in Leadville, but <laughs> this guy did. <laughs> and his name was John Wagner. <laughs> and he was the local Leadville barber back in 1907 when it was a mining town. Okay. Okay. So John, John Wagner, he owned a house at 123 West Front Street. And it was an investment property. He used to rent it out to um, miners in the area. Uh-huh. So he rented this house out to two miners from Italy and they paid three weeks of rent in advance up front and moved in. Uh Uh-huh. They seemed to like the place. Everything was cool until the fourth night in the house, they ran out in the middle of the night saying that they couldn't stay there a single day longer. So, yeah. So Mr. Wagner was like, what's up? And they're like, just never make us go back in the house. You can keep all the money we paid you, but wow. like, don't make us go back in the house one more night, which uh, I'm not sure like how renting works in Italy, but I'm pretty sure like you can't force someone to stay in the house, you know? So I thought that was really weird when I read that. Like they were yeah. I'm like, please don't make me stay there anymore. <laughs> See, if I owned that property, I would be like, what did you do? Yeah, I know. <laughs> He's like, okay, guys, it's okay. And they're like, just keep all the money. Just don't make me go back in. But so he's like, okay, like, what's up? We, what happened? And according to the miners, they said that there was a headless man who what? was, haunt- yes, a man with no head who was haunting the house or just in the house. I don't even think they mentioned really a haunting. Uh-huh. Um, what they said was the first time that they saw him, they were sitting at the dinner table um, after work eating dinner. And this headless man just walks into their living room and starts walking around. Okay. They didn't know how he got in because they never <laughs> heard the door open. Uh-huh. I guess it was like a big concern. You know, (laughs) they're like thinking through all the logistics. There's like a headless man and they're like, wait a minute. How'd you get in here? I didn't hear the door open. (laughs) He has arms. (laughs) 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 Yeah. So this headless man is just walking around their living room and they're very confused. And he comes and he sits down at the dinner table. Uh Uh-huh. Starts serving himself food, 
Ooh. Lifting, putting food on the fork, just sitting with the guys, like he just hanging out, you know? Uh-huh. It's lifting food on a fork, like on utensils up to where his mouth would be, and the uh-huh. food disappears. Ooh. So, yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> Which is like creepy, but also yeah. it's like he's just hanging out. Like, it's kind of like the headless man just wants to be a roomie, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, They're like, not, God, he's such a mooch. Yeah. He's not doing anything <laughs> creepy. He's just eating. <laughs> like, oh, hey, guys. <laughs> But so they don't do anything about it the first night or the when oh they first God. see him. They just are, I don't know if they like if he excuses himself first or like how the dinner party ended. But um wow. Yeah, they they continued to stay in the house. And then um a couple nights later they saw the headless man again and he was just chilling and like reclining in one of the beds and that's when they're like nah. Like, this isn't... It's too much. This is too much. Like, we got to go. And that's, you know, that's when they left. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that wild? Like... I love that, like, the first night they were like, okay, yeah. we're going to let this slide. Yeah. But then when he was in one of the beds, like, no, headless man. This too is much. Too much. Yeah. But I mean, he, the headless man seems really friendly. Like, yeah, he's not like I mean, rattling chains and popping out and saying "boo." He's, he's just, like a little moochy, but yeah. like you know, yeah, it's not that bad. I've had worse house guests. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they bolted, and um, no, uh, then obviously, I think I think how the story broke was. Um, the guy, uh, Mr. Wagner, had put an ad in the newspaper to look for a tenant, and he couldn't find any tenants because, you know, it's a, t- it's a small town and everyone knows that the house is haunted. But a couple days after, there was a little boy who was walking past, or he was in high school, a high school-aged boy who was walking past the house. He saw, like, a weird light in the window, and he knew it was, you know, the whole town knew that the house was empty. So he started looking closer but couldn't see anything. So he started leaving, and once he started leaving, he said uh, a man shot through the lower story window, just like mm. popped out of the window, and he was carrying a ball of fire that, Ooh. I quote, gave forth an offensive smell. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, a smelly <laughs> ball of fire. The man started walking past the boy, and for whatever reason, the boy thought it would be a good idea to follow him. So he started following him and crossing the street with him. I, 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 that, I don't get that. <laughs> oh, no. Like, the, the people ate with him, too. Like, you know, as yeah. soon as, like a headless ghost sat down at my table, I'd be like, bye. Yeah. They were very polite in Leadville back in 1907. Apparently. They're yeah. like, we don't want to offend our guests. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he starts following him across the street. And then... Uh, he said the man dropped the burning ball of fire in the middle of the street and then disappeared. Sketch. And yeah, yeah. Those were two uh, spooky things that happened in that house, you know, back to back. Wow. And that was published in the newspaper, too. And it became, you know, like a known thing in Leadville. So doc- Mr. Wagner, Dr. Wagner, <laughs> he's <Ooh>. a barber. <laughs> oh, <laughs> He's right. a doctor of hair. <laughs> 
Mr. Wagner um, enlisted a real estate agent uh-huh. <laughs> to get tenants into the house. And the real estate agent couldn't either. And yeah. uh, Guy, let's see. Do I, I don't know if I have his name. But uh, a professional ghost buster. He called himself a professional ghost tamer. Caught, nice. caught word of the haunting. So he traveled to Leadville and offered um, his ghost removal services to the real estate agent. And he promised to remove the ghost for $2.50. And I looked it up and it's about the equivalent of $69 to remove a ghost. I I would pay $69 to remove a ghost. I would too, right? Like just for my groceries alone, if the headless man is eating my food every night, you know, (laughs) like $69 is a bargain. Yeah. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't travel to Leadville to get rid of somebody else's ghost for for a mere $69. No, not at all. I mean, unless like I had, you know, if I was going there anyways, Right. Maybe. <laughs> like if it was on my way. Yeah. You know? But I wouldn't go out of my way. No. That's just not a sustainable business. Definitely not. Especially <laughs> in nineteen oh seven. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> like what kind of road conditions did we have? Like how like how did he travel? You know, he probably didn't own a car, not yeah. when he charges sixty nine dollars no. for like multiple days worth of work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So either way, the, the real estate agent said no. And that was the last that house appeared in the newspaper. So. Wow. It's very interesting. It reminds me of that Nathan for you um, episode. Did you see that? I love Nathan for you. Which one? <laughs> he like works for works with a real estate agent. Oh, and yes. <laughs> and they he advertises that the houses are like ghost free or guaranteed not haunted or something yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> he gives the realtor like some title too. The ghost realtor. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That one's so good. <laughs> Did you mention that you have another spooky story? I do. Okay. I would love to hear it. Spooky story. This one is, um, I'd say maybe more, more creepy than spooky. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. It takes place in 1967 okay. in Alamosa, Colorado. So, you know, yep. right by the sand dunes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's about a horse. <gasps> yes. Named awesome. Snippy. Snippy. <laughs> Snippy. Yeah. Yes. Snippy's oh, a Snippy. Horse. Like no, the Snippy. dog? Snippy. Like cutting. Snippy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Like snip. Snip snap. Snip snap. Snip snap. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> Snippy was a three-year-old. Appaloosa mare Uh and she lived in Alamosa Colorado on a ranch and the owner of the ranch was named Harry King and one day Snippy didn't come home for dinner Uh oh and Harry was like WTF where's Snippy (laughs) the next day Harry went out looking for Snippy and he found poor Snippy's body roughly like a quarter mile from the house. Uh-huh. And Snippy's body didn't look too good. I actually have a picture here. Ew. Do you want me to send it to you? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so. Yikes. What the hell? Yes. That is weird. Yeah. Snippy's body didn't look too good. I'll include a link to a picture of Snippy in the show notes. 
It's a really weird picture. It shows the body of a horse lying on the ground with something dark and shadowy all around it. And there's a clean cut at the base of Snippy's neck with no blood anywhere. And the horse's vertebrae and skull are laid out looking smooth, clean, and sun-bleached. Not like a horse that had been walking around less than 24 hours before. So, Snippy's neck was severed at the bottom of the neck. Uh-huh. And the cut was completely... This one's kind of gory, FYI. Okay. Um, so, uh, Snippy's neck was severed completely at the neck, and it was uh, the cut was completely smooth. There were no jagged edges at all. And then everything from the cut up had been... All the skin and flesh had been completely removed, leaving only um, Snippy's skeleton, which... They said appeared sun bleached, like the bones had been, you know, left out for a mm-hmm. while, um, even though it had only happened the day before. And Yikes. then, yeah, yeah. And then there was no blood anywhere. That is weird. Yeah, yeah. No blood in or around the body at all. Harry was like, this is super weird. So they brought in some people the next day and they did a little bit more um, investigating and the investigators found a number of like, uh, and you can see in the picture too, like there was a, like black around Snippy's body mm-hmm. and places yeah. around it that looked like exhaust, mm. um, like scorched, you know, scorched marks and exhaust. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't find any tire tracks or anything leading up to, you know, for a vehicle to have been there. And then um, they also found about 100 yards away, they discovered a bush. Uh, that had been completely flattened and was hmm. surrounded by a series of six small round ind- indentations in the hmm. ground in a circle. So everyone's like, UFO. Like, oh, shit. Something human couldn't have done this, you know? Yeah. 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 Another weird thing from the investigation, and this is actually, this, like, um, I didn't know it, but then I looked it up. This story is pretty famous. It's been in, um, a lot of books, you know, it's like, hmm. it's, it's been a really weird mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, one of the ladies who was at the scene investigating said that at one point when um, they were there, Snippy's bones turned bright pink. And then That's her, weird. Yeah. And then her palms, <laughs> like the palms of her hands became incredibly itchy. Like, huh. <laughs> yeah. And that there was a really weird smell just all around the area, like a sickly sweet smell that she had never smelled before but yeah it was such like a weird thing that uh the air force came and investigated snippy because no one could figure out you know what was going on and with these like weird exhaust marks and you know the indentations and you know because you'd need like some sort of machine to do that yeah you couldn't just like walk up and do that you know like do such a clean sever and you know, without, without, you'd have to take the blood out somehow. You know what I mean? It's got to go somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. If you're cutting a head <laughs> off of a horse, like there has to be blood. There's going to be a lot of blood. Yeah. Yeah. So, people, and like, it would just take a lot of planning and work to like set this up. Yeah. You know? And like in Alamosa in the 60s, I mean, there's so many, like, why would you pick Snippy? You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, wild horses around there. Yeah, yeah. 
But so the official Air Force investigation um, said that Snippy's death was caused by a rare um, infection. But mm. I feel like that's definitely like a cover up for alien. Animals. Yeah, that's a pretty weird <laughs> fucking infection. Yeah. Like... That her head just put, severs itself Oops. and the skin peels back and all the blood evaporates. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Someone else said it was ants. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's terrifying. <laughs> I'm, I'm never camping at the sand dunes again. <laughs> no. Well, you know there's like a bunch of weird acti- like alien activity in that area. Like it's very famous. Um, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, have you ever driven to the sand dunes and um seen on the side of the road? It's in Hooper, that UFO watchtower. Oh, you know that I place? Have you been there? Yeah, I've been there, but I don't. I haven't been to that like watchtower. I I I don't know. I don't think I've like ever really put it all together. Yeah, yeah. So that watchtower is right in that area, and um they. They say that there's two vortexes there and that the aliens come and protect them. And that's like supposed to be the most like UFOE activity area in Colorado. Wow. Like there's just so many accounts of sight, you know, like lights following people. And um, there was one account, the wife of a ranger at um, the sand dunes said that a man came up to her and said that a, uh, he's not of this earth and started telling her like all these secrets of the cosmos, you know, Wow. And just yeah, a ton of uh, people's accounts of, you know, strange, strange lights and alien activity in that area. Well, that's awesome because Zephyr is obsessed with going to area 54, which obviously you can't, but I obviously got area 51 and studio 54 uh, confused and mixed into one single place. Yeah. You know, close by and this is way closer and more convenient yes well okay so weird story about the ufo watchtower um you know so when you go there you're supposed to leave an offering um for the aliens like overlords who protect the vortexes okay um so i didn't i wasn't planning on going there i was just i was driving to new mexico and drove past it and i was with friends and we're like what is this let's go Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. And so I didn't have anything to leave as an offering. Mm-hmm. So I left the, uh, <laughs> my, I had like a 2004 Volvo at that time, like a, you know, station wagon. Uh huh. And I left the, the car manual, the owner's manual nice. as an That's offering. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. Yes. But okay. Like a week later when I got back, I mean, yes, it is an old car, but all of the gasoline in my car like somehow flooded into the engine and my car completely totaled itself. Yikes. Yeah. So I feel like the aliens must have done that because my car was perfectly fine until I left that freaking manual there. Wow. (laughs) Until I gave it to the aliens. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Except for my car. But yeah, I'm sorry about your car. I'm sorry for calling it awesome, but just like all the weirdness is awesome. Yeah, yeah. But isn't that really weird about Snippy? Yeah. I what are people's theories like aliens? Yeah. Okay. Aliens infection or ants are what I read. I mean, I feel like in that area pretty much it's a consensus that it was aliens because everyone who lives in Alamosa is like, I've seen aliens. (laughs) Like they're in my backyard right now. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can go, you can camp at the uh, UFO Watchtower too. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's supposed to be like the place in the valley where you see the most like lights and UFO activities. Oh. And you can camp there. See if you okay. buy something. So you should take cool. Zephyr to camp there. That's a great idea. Yeah. That's an excellent idea. Yes, just bring bring your shittiest car. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> I already have one in mind. <laughs> Maybe like the aliens were like, we don't want your stupid yeah. uh, manual. We're taking the car. Yeah, go <laughs> <Come> on. <laughs> Or maybe they thought it was an invitation. Like, oh, you know, like when you give someone a key as a present, like, you know, I gave them a manual and they're like, oh, she got us a car. That's like hashtag so sweet. Yeah, I know. (laughs) You're welcome. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you again for another awesome day of recording. You're welcome. (laughs) This is great. Yeah. I like it. Oh, update oh. from my mom, Wendy. Yeah, One second. Yeah. Here, you want the headphones? Yeah. Okay, Wendy? Yes. Okay. I've got him in one of these little uh, plastic boxes that pastry comes in for breakfast. Uh-huh. He's in the bottom of it, and I found some rags out on the back porch. Uh huh. And I put put him put the rags over him. Mm-hmm. If if he has enough body heat, it might. And then I slipped it inside of a plastic bag, grocery bag, but I didn't close it so he could get some air. Yeah, yeah. But you that might. A... Um, I had a. I used to have a gecko. And they need to have like a heating pad. And when I traveled with her in the car, I would microwave a little uh, plastic bag of rice and kind of use it, put it in there as a little warming source. Oh, I'll go, I'll go microwave some rice. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, here's Claire. Okay. Good luck. Uh, Thank you. All right. Thank you, Wendy. You're welcome. She's an angel. (laughs) It's an eventful day. It really is. It really is. Thanks for joining me this week on the Casa Bonita podcast. If you liked this show, you might like working with me and my colleagues at Bluebird Real Estate Group, a top-ranked, totally independent, locally-owned boutique real estate brokerage serving the greater Denver and Boulder areas. We always love talking shop, especially if you're thinking about buying or selling a home yourself. You can find us online at bluebirddenver.com or call our office at 720-989-1362. Need help finding a great agent to work with somewhere else? Drop us a line. We'll interview agents for you and even negotiate a contribution towards your closing costs. We look forward to hearing from you. This episode was recorded and edited by me. Music is by Diala. You can follow the Casa Bonita podcast on Facebook by the same name and on Twitter and Instagram handle at Casa Bonita pod. Be sure to subscribe to get the latest episodes when they're available. 
And if you really want to give this show a boost, give us a positive review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. Thanks. You're awesome.